Howdy, Dis After Dark listeners. Toy Story Land is opening up at Hollywood Studios on June 30th. Book now for some great summer deals and to see what's new. Take a ride on the Slinky Dog Dash coaster, ride the alien swirling saucers with the kiddos, enjoy a new third track on Toy Story Mania, and grab a bite to eat at Woody's Lunchbox. Remember, if you book with me, I'll take care of your dining reservations, fast passes, and create a personalized itinerary just for you and your family. Mention this ad to get $25 off your deposit. Reduce stress by letting me do the planning for you. I make the plans, you make the memories. Find me at WPMagicJourneys.com and on social media at WPMagicJourneys. After Dark Podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com, the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.HHNUnofficial.com. So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. Warning, this show contains childish adult content and is intended for immature, mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views spoken are hours and hours alone, not those of any other bugger. If you're easily offended, we strongly suggest finding another podcast. Everybody neat and pretty, then on with the show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Diz After Dark. I'm Nick and I'm joined by two of my favourite people on the podcast, uh, one of which we don't get on often enough. So first of all, uh, my regular sparring partner, Mr. P. Dusper Washington. Whoopee! <laughs> I haven't died this time when you said it, which is even better. Um, thank you very much for that. And also joining us uh, directly back from his trip, which we're going to be talking about this episode, is a very talented Mr. Ripley. Good evening. Ah, uh, isn't it just? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where... Well, I know roughly where you are, but did the cold mm. snap hit you today? Uh, yes, I was doing some yard work, as they say, because um, about 400 trees have decided to drop leaves in my garden, so I can't nice. actually see my house. Nice. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it was very cold. Yeah. Me and P-Dubs were discussing this morning. We were comparing our weather apps on our phones in our respective yeah. areas, and they were quite similar, actually, considering how far apart we are. Yeah, yeah, they were. They were Weirdly, though, after I spoke to you, our temperature dropped. Jeez. <laughs> um, so I don't know what the American equivalent is, but it was three degrees this morning. Yeah. Um, so what's that in F? Um, I'm doing it now. It is 37. 
Jesus, that still sounds like quite a lot. So apparently it was 37 degrees Fahrenheit today. Uh, it was very, very cold. That, that's it. All of a sudden we've had some pretty good weather. Um, and then all of a sudden today it just dropped. Um, which, which is not good. But anyway, enough about the weather. We're here to talk Disney. Uh, but before we talk about Disney, let's get some business out of the way. So, uh, I need to ask a question we do on every episode of the podcast. What is everybody drinking? And because you've not been here for a while, Mr. Ripley, what are you drinking? I'm having a hot toddy. Oh. A hot toddy in honour of Mr. D, who's gone clubbing this evening, apparently. Apparently so. Yeah. He's uh, in one up. of my Trader Sam's jugs. Oh, very nice. Not not the a thousand dollar tiki uh, hat box ghost. I managed to get the hat box ghost without it paying a thousand dollars. No, no, it was uh, thirty or fifteen, something like that. Twenty, I don't know. Something something that's reasonably priced and normal. reasonably yeah. priced. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Very good. I remember my first ever hot toddy was on one of these episodes and um yeah that was an that was another ill episode but that was a very good uh drink to have so uh congratulations well done <laughs> p-dubs i have got a cinnamon flavored coke zero oh you Ooh. found it have you wow yeah they Is do it, those yeah it's yep. a winter winter special edition yep it's a festive limited edition there you go and we i managed to find a normal size bottle in my Tesco on the way to work yesterday. Uh, well, hang on. When you say normal size bottle, just some... just the regular five hundred. Yeah, yeah. And you buy one as you drink it, drink it as you walk along. Yeah. But then the missus went in a bigger Tesco yesterday and got the one point two five liter ones. Right. Okay. So... I've not seen them anywhere, but I am. I, I've only got Asda's near me. Other supermarket chains, of course, are available. Um, and they do not seem to have got those in, although they've had some Halloween fancies in. Yes. Have you seen pink these? Grapefruit? Yeah, pink, pink grapefruit and there's a blood orange. Yeah. And neither of them really taste anything like what they, they suggest they would do. In fact, both of them tasted quite similar, which is definitely wrong. Um, and I really like, um, blood orange drinks, but yeah, this ah. was a letdown. The Hatbox Ghost drink is basically blood orange mixed with rum. Oh my god, why am I not there now? Mm. Um, well, I'm, I'm breaking from t- tradition for quite a while, um, because I can't remember the last time that I had an alcoholic drink on this podcast. Um, but, you know, I thought this was a, a very special episode with Mr. Ripley coming back. So, um, I have got uh, a bottle of Elvis juice by Brewdog. Oh. Which is described as a grapefruit infused IPA and is 6.5%, so quite high for a small bottle. Um, so that made almost no noise at all. That's excellent. <laughs> I love it when that happens. Um, I have, I have had, I'm sure I've had this on a, on a podcast before, but not for a long while. So cheers. Hmm. That is citrusy. That tastes more like grapefruit than that fantasy. Anyway, um, we are here to talk about Mr. Ripley and uh, his recent trip to America. Now, I've got to be honest, I found it very hard to work out where you were when you were. Exactly. It sounds, like, yeah, it sounds like you was a bit all over the place. So, um, 
on this episode, we're going to focus on the Disney elements of the holiday because yes. you did also go over there to do uh, Universal and I believe another theme park as well. I what well, I did so I went to uh, California, uh, had a long weekend there. I then went off to the sunny climbs of Maui, which I'm sure nobody wants to hear about whatsoever. Um, I then flew from there to Orlando and had a proper uh, Disney holiday, which I haven't really had for a long time. Mm. Um, and then on both coasts, I went to Halloween Horror Nights as well. Wow. Okay. So on this episode, we're going to talk about your two Disney trips to yeah. Disneyland and Disney World. Yeah. So, um, well, I, I suppose in a way over to you, where, where do you want to start? Well, I kept a journal. Oh my and God. At, I did. Yeah, I did. Cause I thought, well, I'll be professional for a change. Um, you've listened to this show, right? <laughs> I know. Now I'm looking at my handwriting and thinking, hmm, perhaps I shouldn't have bothered. You know? <laughs> uh, so, um, I mean, I could start at the beginning if you like. I, I always find beginning is a very good place to start. Perfect. Perfect. Well, the beginning starts the night before the flight. Now, I live in Kent, which isn't a million miles away from Gatwick or Heathrow, mm. but I like to stay over the night before to kind of extend the holiday a bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of you chaps ever do that. I, for me, it depends on when I'm flying. Um, I mean, when I went to Orlando last year, because I had a uh, kind of like a lunchtime flight, I just drove down to Gatwick of the morning. It was, it was yeah. happening. Um, but we have had, uh, well, the last time we went to Florida, uh, me and my wife, we, um, we actually stayed, um, and cause we was going away for, for an extended period. So we stayed at a hotel where we could actually, um, leave the car as well. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think, for me, I think it factors when the flight's going to be and also what I'm doing about parking. Because generally, airport parking is the most expensive place to park. Yeah. yeah. And all they do is is they literally just go and do donuts with your car in a field somewhere. Well, I, so, think, I think that's pretty much the case. Yeah, whether, yeah you, whether you do that, leave that at the airport or leave it at a hotel. Uh, I think you they pay the for the F1 all... experience. Yeah. Yeah, why is my car, yeah. yeah, why is my car covered in mud and half the petrol gone? Hmm. Why is there 50,000 extra miles added to my clock? Um, <laughs> I mean, the only thing I will say with, with that is that I did hear a horror story, um, about a year ago now. And I can't remember what the, the company was that was operating it, but it was, uh, a hotel that was, was doing its own, like a large plot of land. So it wasn't a, a proper car park. It was just like, you know, grass or whatever. Um, but you would leave your car there and, you know, collect the keys on the way out kind of job. And, uh, the company went bust and people were coming back Ooh. off their holiday and they couldn't get their keys. Oh, um, is this Gatwick? Yeah, it was Gatwick, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it, it's quite hard, compared to some of the other airports, it's quite hard to get back from Gatwick for a lot of people if you don't have a car, um, and especially if you weren't planning that either. So, yeah, uh, just make sure if you are going to do something like that that it is somebody that's quite um, reputable, mm. really. Yeah, or book it through, like, a travel agent or someone. At least you've got someone to moan at if the firm does go under. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you, Paul, do you go north to fly to Orlando or do you go south down to London? Well, the last time we went to Orlando, I've only flown once from while I've been up here 
permanently or at least booked. First time I went to Orlando, I was living up here, but I'd booked my flight before that, um, before mm. I'd moved up. Um, so last time we did fly from Manchester, but I'm kind of in the middle, so it doesn't really mm. matter to me. It's kind of whatever's going to be the cheapest. My brother lives in North Wales, so we stay with him the night before, and he'll drop us off at the airport the night after at, at Manchester, so that's not too bad. Mm. Or or down south, normally I'd stay with my mum, but um, I think we're we're working on plans at the moment to to get back out there in in about two years, um, and we're probably going to stay, to be honest just to make it easier, especially with the youngster. Mm. Um, we're we're going to be looking at, at booking a hotel the night before, I think, and, and probably I'm going to do the same next year when we go out for Halloween Horror Nights. I'll probably I'll probably stay the night before just to make it a bit easier. Mm. Just set your alarm so you don't miss your flight. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you wake me up, Nick. Probably oh. be flying out together. So. Hello. <laughs> um... Okay, so you, so you you extended your holiday effectively by a night, by a night by staying in a hotel at the airport. Now the thing is, is for for us uh, English people, is that we either fly from Gatwick or, like you said, you fly from Manchester, which is further up the country. Yeah. Now I wasn't flying to Orlando; I was flying to California, and you cannot fly to California from Gatwick. No. So we had to go to Heathrow, which. I don't often go to Heathrow. It's it's a bit of a sprawling mess. Um, it's it's a bit further away. It's a bit of a nightmare. And we stayed overnight there. And to park a car there overnight and hotel, I forget what it worked out at, but it was quite a lot of money. Mm. Um, and one of the, the signature rules of being English is that all English people know a bloke called Dave. We all do. At least yeah. one. At least one. If not multiples, one. yeah. Yeah. If you don't know a bloke called Dave, you're probably Welsh or Irish or something, but yeah. everybody knows a bloke called Dave. So anyway, I know a bloke called Dave. He runs a, a, a car company like Uber called Dave's Motors. So shout out to Dave. <laughs> and Dave, in his motor, he took us to Heathrow. So we stayed overnight at Heathrow, so I didn't have to pay for parking. Um, now, the strange thing is, at Gatwick, north and south terminal, there's a, there's a, there's a Premier Inn, there's a, there's a Hilton, there's a Sofitel. Mm. Uh, there's, a, there's a few, isn't there, at Gatwick you yeah. could possibly stay at. Whereas at Heathrow, there's loads of hotels. This is what I found out. But they're all a drive away. Yeah. Yes. So if Dave drops you off at the hotel, you've then got to rely on the hotel to get you to the airport. And I found out there's only one hotel that's actually built in Heathrow, and that's the Sofitel. So we stayed at the Sofitel. Right. And it was very all right. It wasn't spectacular, but it was quite expensive. But it was still cheaper than parking the car, not paying for Dave to take us up there. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, it's. I suppose it's a little bit like the rule of of service stations. So, um, Mm. again, this is. I think this is more of an education to our American listeners here. Um, we have service stations, or what we call service stations on the motorway, um, and they are, are different depending on where you go in the country. But although they're all different, they all have different things, the, the concept is exactly the same. It's like a hub, and there's all these things here. But what you will find is that you'll get places to eat, like chain restaurants in these places, but because it's a captive audience, everything's bumped up. So if you go to Burger King, you're probably paying about five quid extra for a like a Whopper meal or something because they can charge it and get away with it because you have to pay or you starve. Um, 
so the same rule really applies with those hotels. Um, it's, it's a premium, you're a captive audience, you either pay it or you, you, you don't. And you've got mm. to find something else. That's right. So in my diary here, I've put bed uncomfortable, TV not working properly, and have got a nice view of the car park, think three cars at the back of dogging. <laughs> so the TV didn't work, but we got a bit of entertainment because they laid on some doggers. So it's, you know, it's, they, they thought about it, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and for, I'm assuming dogging is, uh, is a general term. Uh, but if not, it is people having sex in public, generally in cars. Yeah, uh, is what we. I mean, if you're dogging. an American right now and you're at work, just Google that. No one will care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's the mm. weekend. If you're listening to this while we're recording it, and if you're mm. not listening to it while we're recording it, you might be in trouble. But if it's the weekend, knock yourself out. No one's going to check your uh, your browser history. Um, no, exactly that. So yeah, and and the other thing with these hotels generally at, at airports is that. They're quite basic, and they're basic because mm. you're not planning to stay there for any period of time. Like you say, you're probably going to stay there for an overnight, so you just want somewhere you can lay your head uh, and not really worry about stuff. So they can yeah. charge an absolute premium for these places, but it's probably the equivalent of staying at something like a Motel 6 in terms of actual quality. Like, do not expect the Ritz. Oh, yeah. There's a hotel that's near me. It's behind a petrol station. It's a travel lodge. And it's really dodgy. It's like middle of nowhere. You'd never want to go there. Yeah. And I stopped at the petrol station once and um, I said, that hotel, is that even open? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's always open, very busy. I said, what sort of clientele do they get in there? <laughs> and he said, sex, suicide, drugs. That is it. Wow. He said, even even yesterday morning, they had a bloke who was sophisticated and died in there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That got dark quick. Um Fun, we used to Again, have... Google it. That is a thing. <laughs> we, we, um, yeah, and Michael Hutchins. Um, we used to have a notorious hotel, um, in between Romford and, I don't know, South End, I suppose, but near Romford. And it was called the Palms. Um, I don't think it had any, any, like, it, it was the Palms something, but it, everyone knew it was the Palms. And what you needed to know about that hotel, because you never knew anyone that stayed there, or they never admitted it. But what you did know about that hotel is that you could uh, pay for a room uh, for like an overnight or whatever, or you could pay by the hour. Mm. And when you know you can pay for a hotel room by the hour, yeah. you know what kind of hotel you're walking into, I think. Mm. Yeah. I had the same in Watford. It was, in fact, it was a Best Western. It was a Best Western, and it was called the White House. And there was a knocking shop about five doors up. So you just know if they ran out of room in the knocking shop that they'd be in the hotel. Got to fill those rooms somehow. I told you I stayed in that hotel that's literally behind the Disney shop on Oxford Street. Yes. And that, that hotel you can pay by the hour because it's literally opposite that kitty cat club or whatever it's called. Jeez. And that's literally right behind the Disney store. You can see Disney store employees having a fag out the back. That's how close it is. Welcome to Sorid Hotels After Dark. A new, <laughs> yeah, another new podcast for the network. We haven't even got to California yet. <laughs> so, right. So, how how was the flight, and was it was it from there direct? It was direct to LA. I always fly, pretty much always fly with Virgin because I kind of bank the air miles and 
do my best to um, get the price of the flights down. And yeah. I, I always get a good service with, with I mean, it's, it's, it's like average to good with Virgin. I mean, I've been on BA a few times and it's, yeah, you know, they're a bit snooty, I find, on BA. But Virgin, the flight was very good. The food was all right. Um, just Heathrow was the problem. The security just took forever to get through. I mean, worse than like MCO. I mean, much worse than them. Um, and then because the hotel was in Terminal 3, we had to go to Terminal 5. You have to catch a train, which used to just hop on, hop off like a monorail. But now you have to go get a ticket from the machine and give oh, it to a, Oh, God. God it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, um, I recently flew from Stansted. Mm. I mean, I think where we are, like you say, because we're in the same kind of part of the country, Gatwick seems to be the, the hub, especially if you want to go to the place that we normally go to. Um but I had to fly from Stansted to um, to Holland a few months ago, and it was the first time I'd been there, and I couldn't believe like the difference in quality. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, like Gatwick's not the best. I'm sure it's not the best airport in the world, but when you do go to another airport, it does feel like, as you say, like security just doesn't feel as good. Mm. Feels much slower. People seem less friendly. They don't seem to care as much. It's just, it's, it's odd. I mean, Gatwick are definitely doing something right when it comes to that. They do. And I'll tell you what, when we checked into the Sofatel, we had a really snooty person there who was handling our luggage. And he said to us, he said, oh, because I was sitting, oh, I didn't know my way around. We usually go to Gatwick. He went, huh, only chavs fly from Gatwick, he went. I'm like, mm, yeah, all right, mate. <laughs> You wish I was a Gatwick. Wouldn't fly from Gatwick if you could actually fly to Orlando from Heathrow. Well, exactly. Exactly. But yeah. no, as you say, Nick, Gatwick is a far superior um, service. I mean, it, it's just easier laid out. I, You know, it's generally all right, isn't it, Gatwick? Yeah, I've I've not really had any major problems there, ever. Um, you yeah. know, I think if any kind of complaint, the actual facilities inside probably do have a few more options. But you know, that's, that's, again, you're not supposed to be in there for a long time, so no. as long as now, that works. The only good thing we've, um, uh, so if we left Heathrow, we've flown over LAX. LAX is probably, well, it has its pluses and its negatives. One of its pluses <laughs> is that when you arrive, because of the small terminals, you go through security and then they, you literally, the carousel is there and you've got yep. your luggage, just like MCO, and then you're out. There's no monorails. There's no buggering about. There's literally the street is the other side of the carousel. Mm. Yeah. So we got our luggage, and then this is where the first problem happened. This is Disneyland Resort's problem. To get us from there to Disneyland Resort, they don't have like a magical express like Walt Disney World. They use a company called Carmel Cars, and they just transport people up and down the motorway there from the airport to Disneyland and back again. They never turned up. Now, it's not necessarily Disneyland's fault. It might be this Carmel Cars fault, but they didn't show up. I rang the number. It just didn't work. I don't know if it was because I've got an international cell. I don't know. Nobody showed up. And I tried phoning Disneyland, but then you just go through to so many people. I'll put you on hold. I'll transfer. It's just not worth it. When two clicks on my phone and I've got an Uber there straight away. Mm. Um, so I did. I got the Uber straight away. So I wonder why they don't have a Magical Express. 
Um, I think it's part might be partly to do with it's a locals park, so there's not that huge number of people flying in. But also, LAX is a big airport, but there are lots of other regional airports yeah. nearby. John Wayne's closer, isn't it? it? That's just up the road, isn't it? I don't know what parts of America it flies to. It doesn't do international, but do you know what I mean? A lot of people might be flying into these other small airports. Okay. So it's not like MCO where that's like the only airport apart from Sanford. It's it's sort of yeah. But problem. the majority of people that are going to Disney are flying into Orlando International, aren't they? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, all right, well, that kind of explains. I was just wondering because I mean, obviously, Paris has its own version, um, so I just would have automatically just assumed that they'd do their own one. So, mm. okay. So I don't know whose fault it was. Anyway, when I got to the hotel, I did make a complaint about it, but again, they weren't that interested. They said I had to take it up with because I'd booked it. Now, this is the other strange thing: when you're British, you have to book Disneyland the same way you'd book Disney World, which is through the British. Uh, Disney travel company, mm. which was quite annoying because I was booking it with Disneyland Direct, just run the number up, which is on the website, and then you get so far and they go, oh, sorry, no, no, you've got to book this through the British, I'll transfer you, and then you have to do it all again. Because you can't, apparently, British people can't book online for Disneyland Resort directly. It has to be done on the phone. I mean, it's, it's just madness, isn't it? I mean, mm. I, until kind of doing this podcast and stuff like that, I, I didn't really understand how people did Disneyland. Because when you go into travel agents, it's not there. Like, you'll yeah. find it in a brochure. If you, if you get a California brochure, um, you know, they'll have Disneyland in there. But what I mean is, is that when you walk into a travel agents in the UK, you get a brochure for Disney World, a brochure for Disneyland Paris. There's yeah. not one for Disneyland. There's not one for any of the Asian resorts. They don't push it enough, definitely. They don't push it at all. Like, you have to go and ask for it. I remember we, um, before we came back for the second time to Orlando, we had, um, looked at doing a California trip, which would have been, uh, Disneyland, San Francisco, and, uh, finishing up in Vegas. A bit of a road oh, lovely. trip, right? Mm. And and that was it. Like every part of that holiday had to be booked separately. And I I got like the the you know the the San Francisco bit and the Las Vegas bit, but like Disneyland was booked in the exact same way. You know, it was it mm. was done very very weirdly. Not like how you'd book a, a normal Disney holiday. So um, I just think they've never. In some ways, I think Disney World was built for a global audience. Mm. And so that's why they pushed it. And Definitely. I think Disneyland Paris was built for a European audience. So again, that's why it's pushed in every European country. But Disneyland has never been and continues not to be. But you would think in this day and age, if you can get people to go, why not? I get maybe they don't need extra visitors. Maybe that's all it comes down to. But what, at the same Disney time, not needing money, Christ. Well, that's, well, that's yeah, that's <laughs> that's what I mean. Um, but you know, like, it, it feels odd that that is still the 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 weak link when it comes to booking stuff like this. Yeah, it feels out of date in a way, doesn't it? Yes. It feels like it should be easier because the technology's there, so why can't it be? Well, in the same way that for years we've moaned that you can't book Disneyland Paris restaurants on their website. 
and they're like slowly allowing that to happen. And you can now book Disneyland or they're starting to let you book Disneyland from the American Disney websites for the American travelers. But mm. yeah, we're in a day and age where there is absolutely no reason why they shouldn't be able to make this easy for people. And they just well, don't. The confusion continued because when we booked in with Virgin, um, checked into the flight at Heathrow, the bloke says to us, the Virgin guy, um, where are you staying in LA? So I said, well, Disneyland. He went, <laughs> no, no. Disneyland, sir, is in Orlando. You're oh, going to LA. Oh, oh, oh. So I went, right, that's it. Fuck it. Get Richard Branson. Get fucking Richard Branson now that his staff are not trained up on where things are in the world. <laughs> I, I, I had on a, on a Facebook group about a week ago, somebody saying, oh, I'm going to Euro Disney for my first trip. And I was like, it got called that for two years. Gosh, no, it's, really not, it, years. it's not been called Euro Disney since 1995. <laughs> and yet, the legacy continues. It's, uh, it's oh, amazing. Gosh. Yeah. Alright, so maybe three years. Um, but let, let's be honest, it's been called Disneyland Paris a hell of a lot longer. Lot longer it was called Euro yeah. Disney and yet the stigma is still there. Um, Okay, so you got there. wasn't a particularly good start, but you managed to no. get an Uber to your hotel. Whereabouts the, did you stay? The Uber was two hundred dollars. What? <laughs> yeah, two hundred dollars. I've written it down here because LA traffic is horrendous. Um, if you literally, I've talked to a few people that live there. Literally, if you if you were going to pop down to the shops that are in theory about fifteen twenty minutes away. You have to allow an hour in LA time. There's just too much. There's just too much traffic in it. I mean, the, the best analogy about LA is LA is about the size of the south of England, and it's got like the whole of Europe driving through it. it it's just horrendous with traffic. So we were stuck on whatever motorway it was for ages. I think it took. Um, two and a half hours um, and I know you could probably do it in about 30 45 minutes would you say Paul yeah I think I think we've done it in about 45 minutes we yeah. we because we used to stay in in central Hollywood mm. um, just because it was easy to get out and certainly when you you're not driving or anything it was easy but we used to get on the um we used to do the the star line Oh yeah, yeah. And they take you like first thing in the morning, just as the park's opening. So yeah, about about forty five minutes to an hour. Yeah, I think is the, your minimum. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's horrendous LA traffic. Anyway, uh, when we did eventually get to the resort, we uh, stayed in the Disneyland hotel, which I had never stayed at the Disneyland hotel. Um, we were there for a long weekend, and everybody I had spoken to. Um, including when I'm out with Pete Werner, because he's always at Disneyland now, said, you must stay at the Grand California. Now, I have stayed at the Grand California. The Grand California is a, is a beautiful, lovely resort. But I fancy something else. I didn't quite fancy the Paradise Pier one. Um, I fancied staying in the original hotel. Um, and we did. And I don't know if you've ever been there, Paul, but it's a bit like someone's taken the contemporary resort and they yeah. kind of retrofitted it with lots of Polynesian stuff. Yeah, it's, make it's it a, a bit whimsical. It's a proper higgledy piggledy thing because some of it is the original hotel. Yeah, some of it's not. Some of it's bits that have been moved. 
from the mm. original hotel, and and then they've added bits like, as you say, Trader Sam's. Yeah, it's completely it doesn't belong there, but it's there. Yeah. Um, and then they've got like wings named after certain lands, and that's right. <laughs> it's just a complete hodgepodge of stuff. Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a mess, really, thematically speaking. You've got four towers that all face each other, and then in the centre is this courtyard that is themed to like the Polynesian, if you like, um, and that's where the pools are, and that's where Trader Sam's is located. Um, and it, it's 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 all right. It's a nice hotel. It's, it's okay. I think. Um, it had been heavily refurbed about, I don't know, what eight, seven years ago. Yeah, I think so. When they when they put the uh, the new headboards in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it could probably do with a bit of a tart up, really. That hotel. Um, it definitely was not anywhere near the league of the Grand Californian. Um, and the other problem that it had, not a massive problem, but it, it was right at the other end of their downtown Disney. Which which wasn't a huge problem. It just meant more walking, but you know it's, that's not a huge deal. Um, the Grand Californian, you're quite spoilt because it's got two exits. One goes into downtown Disney, and then the other exit goes literally straight into the Disney Californian Adventure, doesn't it? Yeah. So anyway, the check-in I put here in inverted commas frosty. <laughs> was it, was, what, was, was it really cold in there, or? It was quite cold in there, yeah. It, was, it wasn't. It wasn't like um, Olaf from Frozen. It was just a bit. wasn't it was a bit corporate. It wasn't very Disney-ish, you know. Right. So um, yeah, there's no greeter. You usually have a greeter in these hotels, don't you? Someone at the front mm. with a clipboard or an iPad. Hello, nice to meet you. Blah blah blah. No, nothing of that. That's all gone. Anyway, so we um, we went and had an explore. Bear in mind, we've been up since half past five that morning because the flight was at eleven. So God knows what time it was. But we had to walk around. We literally walked um, through downtown Disney, uh, through uh, the California Adventure, and then we had a little walk around Disneyland. And it was quite busy because it was the evening, because um, Disneyland really does get busy in the evenings more than any time the rest of the day. Uh, and we rode the Jungle Cruise, I've put here, um, which was nice. Because the thing is with, with, with L.A. is pretty much everybody there is – a foul actor that wanted to be in showbiz. <laughs> I, I take that back. That's not true. But there's lots of people there who are quite show busy. Yeah. And so you get quite good cast members there, I'd say. So, like, for example, the Jungle Cruise, the skipper we had, was really funny. And although those jokes are really old and naff, that skipper made them quite funny. Mm. Um, wasn't just reading off a, a spiel. Um, right, so then we went back to the hotel. Now, Mickey's Halloween party had sold out, but the hotel still can sell tickets. There's a little tip for you. Okay, so it looks on the can... surface that it's it's sold out. It may not actually be. Yeah, it may not actually be. Now, I think I might have got the dates muddled up on this because this seems to continue, and I think we probably would have gone to bed by now. So... Um, yeah, the next day we went to the Mickey's Halloween party. Now, the Mickey's Halloween party, I put here, stingy with candy. <laughs> um, they... I'm so glad you went in journal. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to publish this. Yeah, I'm what do you mean this is Chris's next book? Yeah, this is the read-through. <laughs> um, 
the Mickey's Halloween party really is pointless in Disneyland because all the special things they do for Halloween pretty much are there during the day anyway. So your, your overlay for Nightmare Before Christmas, your Ghost Galaxy, all these things, they're there during the day anyway. Mm. Even your Guardians swap over in the evening. It's, it's there. It's there anyway. So the oh, so party not... is just to get candy, really. So the so the uh, monsters monsters after dark isn't it called? Um, the galaxy monsters unleashed. Uh, I yeah, I think it's that. Okay, that's good because I was worried about copyright infringement. Um, <laughs> from from them, obviously, we were here first. Um, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I suppose in a way that sounds a little bit similar to the the Disneyland Paris situation. Mm. In uh, the only things that make it. When they, I mean, not that they do them very often, you know, they, they do it normally for a few nights, uh, around October time, but mm. what they do, those nights they do open for the Halloween parties is there's like uh, additional parades or additional fireworks or particular character meet and greets. But when you go there during the day and, and, you know, me and Pete saw this when we were there for the Run Disney weekend, they would just, because it was so close to the beginning of October, they'd already started to, start putting out the Halloween decorations. Mm. So all of that stuff is out during the day. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. So there, there wasn't any additional parades. There wasn't any special fireworks. I think there was. Um, bear in mind, this is probably like 4am for us at this point. Mm. Um, but um, there wasn't enough there, I would say, that would make you specially go to that party. When there was... Everything was there during the day anyway. And what were the prices like in comparison to Mickey's Not So Scary? Um, do you know, I haven't... Because um, they put it on the room bill, I haven't got that. I can Google it, though. Just interested, because, I mean, um, I've just got some friends that have gone over uh, for the week to Orlando. Um, with, oh, I know how much they are. Yeah, so do I. Um, oh. With one of the main reasons being that they wanted to go to... Um, Mickey's not so scary, and I think on the night they're going, it's a hundred and twenty dollars each. Can I just do an aside with you now? I edited an article that was released on hhnunofficial.com that was written by one of our guys there, and they looked at prices for Mickey's not so scary Halloween party. Mm. And three years ago, they were sixty dollars. When we when we last went. And when we did it, so that was back in 2010. I want to say we paid between fifty and sixty dollars a ticket. Yeah, so that that is ridiculous. Because mm. bear in mind, this next Saturday, that it's one hundred and thirty-two dollars plus tax. And next Saturday is November. Yeah. Well, it might have been this Saturday, maybe. I can't remember now. But it, the, the point being that... Anyway, it's not even Halloween. It's, it's more than doubled. Yeah. Yeah, in, 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 in that amount of time. Yeah. And I don't... Yeah. I, I, I mean, attendance seemed to be quite high at launch, as these things generally are. Like, the first mm. night we sent Luke down, they didn't weigh in. It was a bit of a cluster muck. Um, but attendance seems to have been a bit more sparse this year in comparison to the years from people that have been going. Mm. Well, I can get to that when we when when because I did actually go to it in, in Disneyland and Disney World. But it was $105 in Disneyland. 
Jeez. And you're not um, getting the same amount of stuff. Not really, no. And definitely um, not as much candy. No, they are, as I put here, stingy with candy. Right, so the next day, uh, woke up at 3 a.m., went back to bed, woke up at 5.30 a.m., went back to bed. Yeah, okay, so we, we got some... Um... Now, this is the other thing that, that was strange, was at 5.30 a.m., went and had a walk around. Lots of people smoking weed. Well, I, I imagine that that's probably more prevalent. Not that it probably wasn't prevalent before, but it's probably more noticeable now because uh, California's relaxed the um, cannabis law. Mm. Now, the funny thing is with cannabis is that, I mean, I don't really care if people smoke it, but it does have that really horrible musty smell, doesn't it? Yeah. It's not like a cigarette where you can just like waft it away, just kind of put up with it a bit. Weed has a musty smell. It lingers and lingers. Yeah. So if that's going to be the new normal, that's going to be a bit of a drag. Pun Literally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I, like you, I have no problem with it, um, but the smell is by far the worst and, and most telling thing about it, and I hope that, you know, with the advances in science that we can, we can do something about that. Um, mm. Because, yeah, I, I know what you mean, it's... I mean, it doesn't uh, annoy me, like you said, like when someone smokes it, but as you say, it's just a lot more noticeable than even someone mm. who's smoking a cigarette or, or vaping or something like that. So, um, yeah, that's that's not particularly good. Mm. I must admit, I'm, I did notice less people vaping this year um, when I was at Halloween Horror Nights. So I don't know if that's not as popular as it was vaping, but... Mm. Interesting. Just an aside. Anyway, I did early morning magic at Disneyland Resort, which was yep. the one that was open early that morning, which was 7 a.m. Uh, everything was open apart from Adventureland and Frontierland, um, which was quite good because Fantasyland, for example, um, has got so many attractions crammed in there. They're all on top of each other. Um, it was quite nice to ride um, a lot of those. Um, and one of the first ones we, we rode were, was Pirates, which mm. whenever I'm there, always has a habit of not working. And I thought, well, I'm going to definitely do Pirates because, you know. Um, it's working. It's working. And I've, I've written down big drop, small drop, long cave scene, much longer than Orlando. Cardboard box. <laughs> Too much dry ice <laughs> in battle scene. Can't see the ship. Smells musty. Do pirates smoke weed? <laughs> um, saw Jack Sparrow twice. Was not obvious. Might have been actual Johnny Depp. And then one pirate is still chasing a woman, but they have retrofitted a pint of beer in her hand. That's <laughs> not sexist. He's chasing the beer. Um, and then I put longer and it doesn't empty into a gift shop. So really and truly, I can confirm the Pirates in Disneyland is superior to Walt Disney World. I mean, the only comment I've got about the retrofitting is just be glad that this isn't a Steven Spielberg, uh, <laughs> you know, interference because she'd have been holding a walkie-talkie, which oh, made walkie <laughs> a lot less sense in the context of the ter the time frame of, of that attraction. Um, I mean, me and... P does. We we went and did pirates, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, when we was in Paris, and I've not done Californians, uh, you know, version, which I know is the mm -hmm. original. Um, 
but I've done Disney Worlds and I have always, even with the broken effects that we saw. Yeah. Uh, we, there was one or two. It wasn't like, it wasn't like the whole ride was a bust, but mm. there was a few, but, um, you know, Disneyland Paris's version of Pirates is far superior to Walt Disney Worlds. And yeah. everyone tells me that Disneyland's is far superior to Walt Disney World. So therefore, oh. it sounds Disneyland, Disneyland Paris, Walt Disney World. Um, if Tokyo hasn't got in, in the way of, of, uh, Walt Disney World there. So they definitely seem to have had the duff end of the deal with that attraction. Yeah. Cause theirs was an afterthought, wasn't it? At Disney World. Yeah. It was a case of, oh crap, we've got to quickly build it because everyone keeps demanding where is it. So. <laughs> Um, right, so did did loads of rides. I'll come back to those in a moment. And then we went back to the room to have a, a little break. And then we got ready and went to Club 33, which I've been trying to get into for absolutely years. Um, and if I'm honest, one of the only reasons we went to California was because um, I managed to wangle a working lunch in Club 33. Um, now, I'm legally binded by Club 33 not to talk about Club 33. That is, in fact, the first rule of Club 33, a bit like Fight Club. Well, I'm glad they've got something in common. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't... I mean, Disney doesn't own me. I could probably be... <laughs> well, I mean, I suppose you can't really talk about what you saw or what you ate or how much it cost. But, you know, can you give... Uh, you know a kind of opinion about the place the best part of club 33 two parts is is the entrance into club 33 just the whole looking very shifty pressing a button giving your name and then entering through a door (laughs) they're doing the same at walt disney world as well oh yeah (laughs) and i actually know someone who's a bloody member of that we can talk about that in a minute well, um, can I just say that I actually gave P-Dubs a Club 34 experience <laughs> at Disneyland yeah, Paris. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't have to give my name, but I did have to remember how to uh, to knock on a door <laughs> to let us into uh, Salon Mickey, which is, as a lot of things in Disneyland Paris, more the kind of poor cousin of the uh, the executive experiences that you get at other parks. Um, not quite as glamorous. But so the, 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 the kind of entrance to, to Club 33 is, is very exciting. Yes, so you kind of give your name and then they sort of pause and your heart sinks. You think, actually, did I get the right date? Did I get the right time? Because they do clearly say Club 33. If you're late, we're not letting you in. Wow. And when you're in the Disneyland Hotel and you've got to walk three miles to get here, and it's busy, and it's hot, and there's a queue at security, and then there's a queue to get in, you, you know, you're never going to be on time. So anyway, no. you got let in, and you walk in immediately into a room where they sort of check you in, make sure you are who you are, and blah, blah, blah. Um, then there's this courtyard, an outdoor courtyard, where you kind of wait to be called. Um, you're sort of nervous. I don't, you know, I've never been nervous with a restaurant before, but you kind of, you're a bit nervous before um, going up there. And then you go up this big outdoor staircase, um, into the club, um, and there's a lobby with a check-in desk, and then there's to the left there's a members-only bar, and they do clearly tell you um, you're not a member, um, so you are not allowed in this area whatsoever. And they kind of point to it; it's kind of dark as well, and you're like, "What's going on in there?" You know what I'm saying? But probably nothing like that. Um, 
and then uh, they show you through to your table, and uh, it's very nice. Um, and then they they kind of warn you. They do warn you not to talk about it. So I'm probably breaking lots of rules right now. Um, and they also do warn you that it's expen- expensive. But to be honest with you, and I'll get onto this when we get to Florida, is Walt Disney World. Everything has gone up so much in value that I did not find the meal overly expensive in Club Thirty Three. I thought it was pretty much on par with everything in Orlando. Interesting. Um, yeah. So we had a nice meal, and then there's a balcony. That's the other nice part about Club 33, so you can go out on the balcony. Some people have their, their food out on the balcony, and you can sort of get a view across um, New Orleans area and then across the lagoon there. Um, and then there's um, – you're kind of asked to bugger off, basically. Um, and then that, that's the, that's the other sort of quite interesting part is leaving Club 33 because you've got to leave through the same door and you, you kind of like sort of open it like a secret agent and then just casually step out and all these people are gawping at you because there's a, there's a restroom nearby. Yeah, the rest. Then on the right is where you go for, um, Blue Bayou, you know, the rest, I can't remember what it's called. Not Blue Bayou, is it? That's the Disneyland Paris one. It's the Blue Bayou. It was the Blue Lagoon at Disneyland Paris, wasn't it? Okay, right. So anyway, that, the check-in for that is there, and then right in front of that is a um, uh, jewellery shop. You know, the Bangles. What are they called? Um, Alex and Annie. No, no. no. The, the little trinkets you get with, you know, you can buy. Yeah, I know where you may. I know exactly yeah. where you may because there's a perfume shop there as well, isn't there? There is, yeah. So basically, you've got a lot of people loitering in that area. So when you come out, they're kind of like, oh, where have they been? What is that door? You know? So that's the other enjoyable part of the whole process. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I wouldn't say you'd need to do it again. I think one and done is enough. Um, you know, it was nice. It was a nice experience. That's all I can say about it, really. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't mind blowing. It wasn't like Walt Disney's corpse is wheeled out on a on a freezer and you know you choose your dessert from the trolley. You know what I mean? It wasn't like mind blowing. There's nothing up there that's you know then, incredible. But then I suppose it's like that. That's similar to quite a lot of dining experiences like that. Like I've never been to the Ivy, but I know people that have. And you say to them, "Oh wow, what was it like?" And I'm like, it's "Like having a meal in <laughs> quite a posh place. You might see a celebrity." You know, it, it's it's more the fact that you've been there. I think mm. that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's more you've gone somewhere that a lot of people can't. So it's not that it's this amazing experience in terms of you know you've never seen service like it or you've never seen how they prepare dishes. You know, I'd to be honest, I would expect I'd have, and I've never been to Club Thirty Three, and I'm definitely not going to be invited to Club Thirty Three. Um, but to me. I'd probably have a more unique and interesting uh, experience at going somewhere like the Fat Duck, mm. you know, and and having you know all this kind of like gastro amazing food that's prepared in all these strange mm. unusual ways because that is a completely different restaurant experience to what you're used yeah. to. You know, it sounds like yeah. this is a restaurant. It is. it is a restaurant, yeah. That's, I mean, at the end of the day, it. it's, it's not even it's not even the restaurant that Walt was building because it's been refurbished so much since then. So it's it's changed an awful lot 
since when he, I think he designed it, but he never got to see it. Is that right? Yeah, I think that whole area because pirates hadn't, uh, it had opened, but yeah. it was, yeah, they were building a new apartment for him, weren't they, up there as well? Yeah. Um, so he didn't have to use the the firehouse because the firehouse obviously was right at the front of the park. Yeah. Um, so that whole area was being done done for him and at one mm. stage the the apartment that he was having built got turned into a broom closet did it yeah now it's they use it it's even more exclusive than club 33 actually i wrote i'm sure i wrote an article on our website on magical kingdoms that was about it and just that whole area is just completely basically out of bounds do you mean the one above pirates yeah right you can get in there because they were talking to me about this but it is phenomenally expensive. Yeah. And you have to have a minimum of 12 people dining with you. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't really get used very much at all because it is really expensive. Um, it's got to anyway, be the I, worst job on property, hasn't it? Well, like being a wait staff there. in there. Oh, yeah. And I what think I mean, the most... You know, I, I'm sure the tips would be astronomical, but you'd probably be spending a lot of time sitting around. Yeah, once in a blue moon. I think the most exclusive is probably going to be the Magic Kingdom suite inside the Cinderella Castle. Yeah. Because money can't buy that. So it's. I think that's probably checkmates all of these experiences. Um, anyway, so we did that. That was nice. Um, and the other thing I did was uh, I made a list quickly while I was there of all of the things that they have on the West Coast as the same as the East Coast, which is better. I'll just, I'll just run through them quickly. So Pirates, Disneyland Resort, hands down better than Walt Disney World. Jungle Cruise, I put Disney World because Disneyland's version doesn't have many caves. Um, and also, Disneyland's version is open for the Halloween party in the night, whereas it's not at Walt Disney World. And it's quite scary in the dark. So I'm just sort of throwing that one out there. Um, Haunted Mansion. Disney World's is better, I would say, even though it hasn't got the um, Hatbox Ghost, because it's slightly longer as well. But I like with a lot of these things, the Disneyland version is often better maintained. The Disney World version, when I went for it this year, not only did it keep breaking down, but a lot of the effects weren't really working. I suppose that's one of the advantages of the overlay. Yeah, they have to. They have to. Yeah, they have to close it down while they do the overlay, which means they Mm. can probably do some maintenance work while that changeover is happening. Whilst, you know, for them to close it down at um, Magic Kingdom Mm. is going to be a a massive pain in the ass because it is a people eater. Yeah. Um, Then I put Space Mountain, um, the scary adventures of. Um, Snow White and It's a Small World all better in Disneyland um, Space Mountain Disneyland is it's absolutely phenomenal it leagues better than Disney World um, the only problem with it is it's a huge walk to get to you have to sort of go up up and then round and then down and anyway um, so basically then, you do the ride before you go on it it's a hell of a long walk yeah inside the sort of inside outside the building um, Ghost Galaxy, I have to talk to you about Ghost Galaxy. What an absolutely phenomenal upgrade to a ride that is. Everyone says so. 
it's not only is it really good, but it's also terrifying. And it was so scary. This is absolutely true that I don't know if it made news over here, but the day we were there, they've now installed a sign telling parents that this is too intense for young children. Okay, so for someone that's, that's obviously not been on it, um, you know, and I've seen some images from it and, and, and whatnot, but so what is it they've done? Is it um, projection effects? Um, that and screens. Yeah. Um, but what they've basically done is they've kind of mashed the idea of a haunted house into a roller coaster. Wow. Which sounds a bit strange, but it, they have done it successfully, and it is very good. So you've got your traditional roller coaster, um, and it's quite dark, and it feels much more claustrophobic. It feels much more like you're riding through tunnels rather than riding through space. So it kind of feels a bit like a flume in a, in a water park, you know, a bit more enclosed. So you've got that element to it. Um, then it sort of has a, a different um, soundtrack, which is really good, really modern. But then it has lots of jump scares. I mean, can you believe it? On a roller coaster, there is jump scares. Um, so you've got these various ghosts that are on these screens and in projections that are sort of coming at you, which make you jump whilst you're traveling at God knows what speed. Um, and then for example, like the best one is like right towards the end, you're coming down and it's slowing down. So you think, Oh yeah, we're coming down to finish the ride now, which you are. There's this screen in front of you that you can't see. It's obviously it's dark. So the train comes in, you're facing this screen and this ghost just jumps at you and the music sort of like staccatos and it makes you like really jump. And then the train turns quickly as well at the oh, same time. Wow. So it's, it's really, really good. So I, I, I don't know why they haven't done it at Walt Disney World. Probably cost, but they should do it. It is really good. I can't, I can't stress that enough. I wonder if it's because, um, now I've not done Space Mountain for a few years in Disney World and I don't like it anyway. So no. that's against it. But from what I remember, it, it, there's not many tunnels. I can't remember to be honest with you. I haven't, I didn't I th- do it. This time. I think it's quite open. It, like I'm sure it, when I went on it, it reminded me of the, what they used to have at Orson Towers is the black hole. So you're basically going around the roller coaster track inside a big, you know, mm. building, um, that's dark, but it, it's, it's just a roller coaster with a cover over it, essentially. So it, it's the same as going on something like the Hulk, but without mm. the inversions and loops. But, um, you know, there's, there's no, kind of tunneled sections it's all quite open and exposed so you know possibly it's because they've got to logistically find a way of of getting these screens in yeah you know maybe it's just something like that that they don't have the infrastructure in that building with how it's designed to be able to put screens up i i think i wish that was probably the answer and i'll get on to florida in a moment i do generally think though it's a cost issue with Walt Disney World. Could be. Um, you know, I just, there was a lot of things in Disneyland that worked really well that Walt Disney World could be doing, but just isn't. And I don't know why, but I can only surmise that it's probably to do with cost. Um, continuing the list on, it's not all bad news, though, for, for Disney World. Thunder Mountain, Disney World, it's longer. Disneyland does have special effects in it, i.e. it's got this kind of um, 
like uh, dynamite that's being set off. We have that at Disneyland Paris now. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, they put well, that in two years ago, P-Dubs? Yeah, it reopened last year. Now, bearing in mind, Thunder Mountain was refurb. Was it last year, year before in Walt Disney World? Why didn't they put that in? Because it's only projection mapping. Yeah, it's nothing special. And I mean, some fibre optic lights. It's not anything that should be that should cause too much of a problem. Mm. Uh, I mean, Disneyland Paris had a, a massive problem with their big Thunder Mountain for a long time about the uh, falling boulder effect. In that mm. sometimes it wasn't an effect. Um, sometimes oh. it just it just happened. Uh, that and, was just and, the castle, wasn't it? <laughs> well, that as well. Well, no, that this was before the castle, but yeah, there was a, there was uh, at least one occasion where the um, the rocks actually fell down and landed on people and caused some quite serious injuries. Um, but there's no, but you know that particular effect, it shouldn't really. Um, I don't think it should really cost that much to do or be that hard to implement. So it's surprising that they they haven't, considering it adds an additional element to the attraction. Hmm. That's right. I don't know. Um, Buzz Lightyear, better at Disney World. Midway Mania, better at Disney World. Um, Trader Sam's, better at Disney World. Uh, World of Disney Shop, Disney World. Um, Aerial Ride, Disney World. Uh, and then finally, Downtown Disney or Disney Springs, Disney World. Disney World's Disney Springs is leagues better than their Downtown Disney. Their Downtown Disney, they've shut half of it because they wanted to build a hotel fell out with the local council, and now they're not building that hotel. So they're inviting people like the sandwich people, you know, Earl of Sandwich, back into the building. They've just served a notice to get out of. Yeah, I think it's already back so, open, actually. Yeah, so there's loads of empty shops there doing nothing. Um, and it's just, it just needs, it needs a real good overhaul there, Disney, uh, downtown Disney, um, to make it anywhere near as good as Disney Springs. Now, I do have to ask to, to go back to one of the rides that you did speak about earlier yeah. um, and, and decided it was better at the world, um, mm. and that's the Haunted Mansion, because ever since I knew it was a thing, um, mm. I have dreamt of going to the um, the, ho- the holiday makeover yeah. that they have, which is Nightmare Before Christmas themed. I've always been a big fa- fan. Before um, Hot Topic was a thing, you know, I saw Nightmare <laughs> on its original release in the UK, which happened to be, for some unknown reason, over a year after the American release of that film. Um, but I've been a big fan of it since I saw it. Um, elated, really, in a lot of ways, that it's become this kind of cult classic where it is now quite beloved. And today, um, actually got my daughter to watch it for the first time, um, and she loved it. So that obviously pleased me no end. Um but I've always been interested in going on this attraction. I've never been able to. So, mm. you know, what are your thoughts on it? I like it. I do like it a lot. And um, I think if I lived out there, I think it would be brilliant to see that and the original. Mm. But I do think that the original is a better attraction in mm. terms of it's built, obviously, for those animatronics and those effects. And it doesn't really make much sense when you think about it to have the nightmare before Christmas there, but it is a real nice change and they do do it very well. And the effects aren't, you know, like, um, in Disney world when they did 
jingle cruise and it was a kind of like they just put christmas hats on the animals and stuff it's not like that this one they have built animatronics for it mm. that are phenomenally good um it's not a second class thing whatsoever it is definitely an upgrade um and i do like it and i i welcome it i just feel that i probably prefer the original attraction without that but do you know what i mean i won't not do it i think it's brilliant and i think that they should do that in orlando it's see i i understand what you're saying um about the because the problem is you you have to compare it to the haunted mansion you can't not it's in the Mm. same show building um and i remember back in the day um like when when nightmare before christmas first came out there was a design for a nightmare before christmas dark ride um, to go into one of the parts. It was rumoured to be Disneyland Paris, um, but I don't think anyone's actually been able to confirm if it was going to be there or it was going to be another park. Um, but regardless, you know, some of those ideas obviously have come into this holiday overlay. And I think if when uh, Shanghai had opened, for example, um, they wanted to put a Haunted Mansion type attraction in there and had gone for that, I think that would have worked well. You could have changed mm-hmm. the outside of the building. Um, I think, I mean, I would love to see it in Florida, but I don't think going into the mansion is where it should be. And so I think it's great as a as an overlay, which is what they obviously do in California, but I don't think anybody, no matter how much of a fan or not they were of that film, would actually want to see it replace the haunted mansion. Mm, that's right. Because... It's you can't really compare the two things. I think it needs to be its own dark ride. I think if any, you know, judging by what you said about the animatronics and what other people have said about it, I think it would make an excellent standalone dark ride. Totally, as a permanent thing, and there's no reason why it shouldn't be because, you know, I suppose what's good about it being a holiday overlay is it goes between Halloween and Christmas, just like the film does. Yeah. Um, but there's no reason why that can't be an all-year-round attraction. Well, this is the thing, you see. Disney in World have said that they want to obviously put their IP on as much stuff as possible, particularly in Epcot. But they do tend to be looking only to the current popular IPs, whereas there's things like The Nightmare Before Christmas, which are classics now, that could easily be put somewhere in Disney World as a standalone attraction that would attract people. Um, you, they don't necessarily have to always be looking at Ratatouille or uh, Mary Poppins 2 or Guardians of the Galaxy. There, there are other stuff that's not that old that is still phenomenally popular. Well, and that's the other thing as well, because, um, and again, I hate to go back to Disneyland Paris, but we've talked about this on Discover DLP, that... You know, they're doing this massive expansion at the moment at Disneyland Paris. Well, they're just about to start work on it. And one of the, the, the bigger lands is going to be frozen. Now, by the time this project is uh, expected to be completed, it's going to be around about 2022 to 2023, that kind of time frame for this all to be done. In fact, is it, did it go extended to 2025, Paul? 2025 is the, the length that they've got the planning permission for. Yeah. But they said um, that they're hoping to get it done by 2022. I would imagine they want it done for the 30th anniversary. Yeah. Um, so. But regardless of that, you know, they've gone for this big land and it's going to be the most expensive because they're going to build a lake around it and all this kind of stuff. 
they have to, you know, construct this new man-made lake um, around Frozen. Now, Frozen has been this phenomenal juggernaut, and mm. I know they're making Frozen too. But you know, my daughter's already bored of Frozen. She was mm. obsessed with it like two years ago. I can't remember the last time she watched it. Um, it's it's for a lot of kids. It's kind of already out their heads now. Frozen 2 could be, a, again, a massive hit um, and do that. But I think the problem is, in some instances, they go, right, this is hot right now, so let's jump on it and let's make this a thing and let's throw it out there. And they obviously did that in Epcot with, with Frozen. Mm. Um, but sometimes these things don't have the legs that they think it will do. Like I've got to be mm. honest, when they announced them putting a Ratatouille attraction in Disneyland Paris the only thing I only reason I thought it was a good idea was because the film was set in Paris so it mm. made sense the fact that they're now putting that ride in Epcot by the time it opens I think six or seven years after it debuted in Paris mm. it's not a great ride and it's not a film that people still sit there and go oh Ratatouille that's that's one of the best Disney Pixar films of the last 15 years Mm. it's one of the films they've made in the last 15 years, but no one talks about it as this amazing classic. It's just a good film. And something like Nightmare is still as popular now as it was, you know, 20 years ago. The film's 25 years old, but it's become this huge merchandising machine. Um, and yet, the only trace of it really in the park is a meet and greet in most parks or the holiday overlay um, over there. Mm. And and that's that's something that's really popular still and sells a load of merchandise. Yeah, yeah. And the queues for those characters um, at the Halloween parties um, can be hours and hours long. So I don't quite know why they don't make more of it, but... Um, Anyway, um, other two things that are, that are superior in Disneyland um, is that they've got the app and you can do mobile ordering. It's incredibly easy at Disneyland. Um, there's a separate window for it. It's kind of set up for it. Um, so I won't dwell on that too much. But the other thing that is superior is the Max Pass. What an absolutely phenomenal invention. I do not know why we ended up with those poxy magic bands in Disney World once you've experienced MaxPass. Now, MaxPass basically takes the old system and just puts it on your phone. So it can only work while you're in the park. You have to pay extra for it. And it gives you one fast pass at a time, not three. Um, you can't pre-book them. It's when you get there, just like the legacy system. Um, and once you've been on the ride and you checked in you might be then queuing up slightly to get on the on, get onto the thing you know you, you never walk straight on um but then it gives you time to then book another one yeah so of course you know you get on the ride you, you there's five people in front of you while you wait to choose what lane you're going to be in and then you're quickly going right well, what's next door right, i'll go on that next boom done you got it and then you go on that ride and you come straight off and you go on to the next Do you know what I mean? it's just so simple it's genius and it's also, if I remember rightly, quite reasonable when we were talking about it. Oh, it's not a lot of money. It's definitely not a lot of money at all. Um, and it's all done through your your um, your cell phone, your, your mobile phone. Um, so you don't need a magic band. Um, you literally 
uh, call the FastPass up on your phone on the app, um, and then you put the phone under the scanner, and it just goes bing, and then you, you just go on the ride. It's incredibly clever just because it's so simple, but it just uses that legacy system mm. that we, we're all used to. Um, rather than this stupid nonsense of pre-booking, then never be able to get a fast pass for this, that, and the other, and then it not working. I mean, forever, I go to Walt Disney World, uh, and the bloody thing's not working. Or I mean, we had it, literally had it. The um, the our magic bands were from two years ago, and on some attractions they didn't work. Now, they're two years old. Then that's not exactly old. Why aren't they working? Because it's the old version. It's the old version, yeah. But there's plenty of people still using the old oh, version. Oh, no, of course, yeah. Yeah, I mean... they haven't told you not to use it. But So what's the excuse, you know? And they just they just shrug their shoulders and go, oh, it's an IT issue. Well, you spent a billion dollars building this stupid system, whereas Disneyland has spent like £2.50 to do an app. <laughs> so, you know, why is it not working? It should be working. Well, and, I mean, it looks like Paris is, is going down a similar route. Um and again, something we talked about in a recent episode, Discover DLP, um, that got announced while we was doing it. And, um, yeah, okay, it doesn't, it doesn't work through an app, but it's, it's a more traditional system. And, you know, it's another example of where they could, if they wanted to, have really started to implement Magic Band, and they're not. It seems like they've spent, as you say, like close to a billion dollars on this system which is going to be used in one park in the world. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, this should have been, if you're, if you're spending that much money on this new system to do all this kind of stuff, surely that should have been what was going to be put in every park around the world. Who designs well, something like, you know, a system like that for use in one park only at that expense? Well, exactly. You know, world is only getting Ratatouille because that ride is already designed by Paris, so it's already paid for. They've just got to build it. Mm. So if if World has developed and created a system that's flawless, that uses these magic bands, then why isn't Land and Paris getting it? The well, answer is it's rubbish. That's Tokyo, why. Shanghai, Hong Kong, there's no reason why it's not being rolled out globally, except yeah. for that it's not the system that they should have had and certainly not the, with the investment that they put into it. Mm. and it puts me it puts me off i mean you know i'm not going to say i'm not going to go to disney world ever again because of magic band of course i will be um but whenever i think about where i'm going to go next i think it sounds like it's a lot of trouble you know and to spend that much money on a holiday and know that you're not going to be able to necessarily get the fast passes you want because of this system, just think, you know, it just sounds to me like a, a more, much more of a problem than anything else. Well, that's it. I still couldn't get any Avatar fast passes. Amanda was the same. I mean, how old are they now? Are they two years old? They've been open now for uh, a year. I don't no, know. You, uh, last last summer, last last yeah. July, I think it opened. Yeah, May. more um, than a year. Still can't get a fast pass for it. Yeah, just 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 um, ludicrous. So we. Um, so just going through my notes, I just I just got another note here in the diary. Um, <laughs> uh, menu at Club Thirty Three reminds patrons not to take photos in the bathrooms. Um, so there's that. Just thought I'd drop that in. Um, no selfies while we are on the loo. 
Oh, Craig's fucked. Well, exactly that. Craig's not that. going to Club 33 ever. Probably why, you know, they put that in there for his, for his benefit, you know. Um, <laughs> the Midway games at uh, DCA around that Pixar Pier area, phenomenal. Just really great. They're just fun. You buy a card, you load the card up with money, you then just take it and spend it on the, the different games. And the other thing as well is the prizes that you win playing those games, they're only just, you know, carnival games that are in most of these parks but the prizes are actual quality stuffed toys that you can buy there so they're not like do you know what i mean they're not cheap knockoffy stuff no you can win proper like nice stuffed animals and aren't they based on their own cartoons and stuff as well yeah so we we won a bullseye from toy story excellent now i could i could upscale that um and give that to someone for christmas now hmm it's, it's that sort of quality with a tag as well, it's, you know. Um, so there's that. Um, the Incredicoaster. Oh, my giddy aunt. That is a fantastic ride. I think it's possibly my favourite Disney ride. Um, <laughs> We've had this conversation on about the last three episodes. Oh, God. <laughs> Everyone loves it. Everyone loves it. It's just... I don't know what it is about it. It's just so smooth. It's so well built. It's so incredibly well themed. Not overly, but just enough. Mm. It's just a very good experience. I suppose it's not miles different from when it was California Screaming. But perhaps California Screaming is that is what we're saying is the is this very good ride. But it's just I just found it was really fun. Um, Mission Breakout, the overlay or the well, I suppose it's not an overlay, is it? It's, it's actually the attraction now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Again, really great attraction. I don't propose they change the Florida one, but I would say that they should propose to change the Paris one. Are yeah. they doing that? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's heavily rumoured, and if you look at the plan, you know, it's right at the beginning of what's going to be the Marvel area of the park. So it would make a lot of sense yeah. for them to do it. And you've got to remember as well that it's the exact same um, version of Tower of Terror that was in California. It's not the yeah. Disney World the, version. Yeah, so Disney World is much superior. Um, yeah. The, the only thing I will say about the breakout is it does make you feel a bit sick because you're up, down, up, down, up, down. It's a bit... <laughs> um, and then you've got the animatronic um, rocket that's very good. And the other really funny thing is in, you know, like the old basement area where you used to load, mm. there's a an actual Yeti in there that's broken. <laughs> so I think that is... Uh, Joe Rohde, who designed this attraction, basically taking yeah. the piss out of himself. Yes. Sounds Do you know what like I mean? It. Yeah. It's got to be in it. I don't know why anyone hasn't picked up on that before, but um, it made me laugh anyway. <laughs> uh, so there's that. Did Radiator Springs, done that before, Cars Land. That's just a phenomenal thing. I don't think they should bring that to World. I think that should be an exclusive to Land. Because um, they I, are. I don't think it fits anywhere else. Yeah, I don't think it does. It, it belongs in there, California. Really. Yeah. Um, well, Carl's essentially, you know, was California, wasn't it? Like that, yeah. that whole world was supposed to be based around, you know, the California landscape. So it does make, it does make sense without making a lot of changes to visibility to other areas of the park. It wouldn't really fit in. Um, but again, like I've got no problem. You know, I think, I think that the, the park should have their own unique, attractions 
Definitely. You know. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. yeah. No one's going to travel otherwise. But, They'll just go to the one that's closest to them and, and that'll be it. But the, at the same time of that argument, you've got to also make it easy for people to get to. Like, as we said at the top of the show, you know, going to Disneyland is still a massive pain in the ass for a lot of people. This isn't mm. something you can book very easily. You know, you, it's, it's probably actually easier for us in Britain to book it all separately. You know, book a hotel, book Which your own flights, book your mm. own tickets, uh, park mm. tickets, because trying to actually get it booked via direct sources is cumbersome. So, mm. you know, I, I just, uh, it, that annoys me. So yeah, I, I'm all for parks having exclusive stuff because, say like Holiday Mansion overlay. You know, mm. I would never consider going to Disneyland for any other reason if that was built at another park. Just, just be one of those things that you know really makes me want to go. And if I can do it somewhere else, well, why would I not do it somewhere that's easier? So, make them exclusive, absolutely, but also make it easy for people to get there. From anywhere yeah. in the world. Yeah. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Um, it, it does feel like a, a locals park. The other thing as well that's quite interesting, it's probably one of the last things I will say about Disneyland, is that um, there were so many more vloggers there than you than you notice at Disney World. And so many more people doing like Instagrammy stuff and selfies and, and then people setting up like professional cameras to do like bits to the cameras if they're presenting some posh TV show. So there was so much of that going on. Um, and it seemed to all be concentrated around that little lagoon in the Pixar Pier area with the um, the Mickey wheel in the background. Um, so is that because, do you think, that's the nature of L.A.? I think so, yeah. That seems to be more ingrained in that culture. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, obviously, we, we know you get lots of vloggers in, in Orlando. We have one ourselves. Um, but I think, you know that whole side of, of vlogging and blogging does seem to have been a, an LA thing that's kind of spread. And maybe that's why it seems more prominent there. That's right. Well, I don't know. Anyway, so that that is my long weekend in Disneyland. I then left there, went to um, further into LA, went to uh, Universal. Um, and then I left there and went to uh, Maui. Now, just before we we get to that, so you went to Disneyland for the weekend. So Long how week. many days in ex- were you actually in the park? So Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And for people listening that haven't been before, um, I know P-Dubs, this doesn't apply to you, but it definitely applies to me and I'm sure a fair few amount of people as well. Um, you know, is three days sufficient? Um, do you need to have longer there? Or every day we walked more than a half marathon. Mm. That that's how many miles we did every single day. I mean, the thing is, like that's what me and uh, you know our Craig did at Universal last yeah. week, like when we went for the weekend last year. So, um, I wonder how that compares to world actually. Yeah, so the, my point being that if you are prepared to hit it, then yes, you can do everything. You can do it. Yeah. Okay. But you wouldn't I, recommend I, going like for a week or something. That's probably overkill. 
I wouldn't do a week at Disneyland, no. No. Yeah. I mean, you could do probably just about do a week in LA. Mm. Well, you, you could definitely do a week in LA. There's a lot of driving involved because nothing's near each other. Yeah. Um, but I think if you wanted to do, like you said, you were planning on doing San Francisco, like Disney Museum, go down to LA and then drive to Vegas, that's a fantastic two week or three week holiday right mm. there. Mm. Uh, or go to Hawaii, like I'm talking about. You know, go to LA for a bit because you it, virtually every international plane stops at LAX. Oh, so, you went to you went to Hawaii. Sorry, I thought you you went to meet that guy from uh, Moana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. So uh, yeah, the Rock. You mean? Yeah, they all look like the Rock on Hawaii. By the way, everybody. <laughs> um. Right, and uh, that's the end of the episode. It wasn't intending to be, um, but we decided to split the episode into two parts because it was so long in the end. So uh, in the next episode, episode 194, Mr. Ripley will talk to us about his trip to Walt Disney World and Mickey's Not So Scary over there and a few other bits and pieces. So thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next episode. Hello there, dear listener. Now, have you ever listened to a podcast and thought, oh, I'd really like to support those guys, but I just don't know how to do it? <laughs> well, then you're in luck. There are now two ways for you to be able to support us. The first is by going to our Spreadshirt page at shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash After Dark Network. Here you can pick up t-shirts for all of the podcasts that we do. The other way is by visiting us at patreon.com forward slash disafterdark. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash disafterdark. Any money raised by buying some merchandise or pledging your support on Patreon means that we can keep producing more content for the After Dark Network. On behalf of the other After Dark Podcast Network hosts, we thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and thank you for your continued support. Podcast.